May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Peter is one of my favorite characters in the Bible, mainly because Peter is so relatable. Peter is utterly and totally human. He is not prone to superpowers. He does not possess any sort of divine prophetic prowess. He, like the rest of us, is not Jesus, I'm sorry to say. But he does have lots of qualities that I think are worth noting. He is a follower of God. He responds to God's call. He often doubts. He is prone to fear and intimidation. He worries about how others will perceive him. He has the ability to overcome incredible adversity. He has the ability to show others how to love and be loved by God. He sounds a lot like you and me. It's no small historical mistake that we still reflect on the life and ministry of St. Peter to this day. It's no mistake that he's carved into the altarpiece behind the high altar. His story is our story. From his early calling to life and discipleship to his stumbling when faced with the challenge of his faith to his own transformation, his own turn back into the loving arms of God. That is our story. Peter is a loving reminder that our imperfect nature, our faults, our failures, our shortcomings do not negate our relationship with God. In fact, it might be our very faults and intricacies that make us a valuable part of God's loving community. Time and time again throughout the Gospels, Peter is one of Jesus' closest disciples. In fact, the name Peter is a translation of the word rock. This is the name that Jesus gives to Peter, who was previously named Simon. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Jesus trusts Peter in some of the most intimate settings in the gospel narratives, and I'll name a few in no particular order. It's Peter's boat that Jesus uses to address the crowds on the shore in Gennesaret. Peter is invited in when Jesus raises Jairus' daughter, and he is present at many of the other miracles of Jesus. I mean, Peter gets to walk on the water. That's a cool one. Peter is there in the temple as Jesus is tried and handed over to be crucified. Peter is witness to the risen Christ by the Sea of Tiberias. And Peter, along with John and James, are present at today's Gospel reading, which we know as the story of the Transfiguration. This moment is where Peter and the other two disciples witness some of Jesus' true glory being revealed in the world. As we heard, Jesus invites the disciples to the top of the mountain to pray. 
perhaps as a foretaste of the transformation that Jesus ushers in in his resurrection. Jesus is literally transfigured in front of Peter's eyes. Luke tells us that the appearance of Jesus' face changed and his clothes became dazzling white and there appeared two men, Moses and Elijah. And I love the next part of the story too because Luke makes sure to tell us that Peter is weighed down with sleep, which is maybe why seeing this incredible sight doesn't freak him out. Jesus is seen talking with some of the most important people in scriptural history. But that doesn't even seem to faze Peter. He says, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. But then the most incredible thing happens. A cloud descends around the mountain, and the voice of God becomes clear to Peter. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. One theologian notes that this is like when you watch your favorite movie with someone who's never seen it before, and you keep interjecting, say, are you watching this part? This part is important. This is going to come up later. Are you paying attention? And almost as soon as this incredible scene unfolds, it ends. Peter has encountered the living God. Any doubts about who Jesus is, any questions about what Jesus comes to do have all been settled. Or at least they should be settled for Peter. They should be for us, too. The ending of the passage is key here. And they kept silent, and in those days told no one any of the things that they had seen. Peter and the other disciples tell no one of their experience. So as we know of Peter's story, he later goes on to deny Christ three times. In Christ's most pressing hour, Peter lets his own very human instincts take over. It's both surprising and completely understandable to me. Given what Peter has seen, given what transpired on top of that mountain, given that Peter has heard the voice of God proclaim boldly that Jesus is God's chosen, that Jesus is God's son, Peter has the audacity to deny his relationship with Jesus Christ. And so while that truly does surprise me, I can't stand here and say that I wouldn't make the exact same choice if I were in Peter's shoes. And that's why Peter is so close to my own heart. Peter is someone we can learn from. Peter knows what it means to walk in discipleship. Peter knows what it's like to be a recipient of God's grace. Peter knows what it means to be forgiven. Peter knows that the task of being a follower of Jesus Christ is a task that is going to shake us to our very core. It's a task that will require our own transformation, our own turn towards our loving and life-giving God. So I think we have to go back to our gospel passage this morning to understand Peter's own path towards transformation. It's that last line of the gospel. 
And they kept silent in those days and told no one any of the things that they had seen. I think it probably goes without saying that the fact that we know this story proves that Peter and the other disciples did not keep quiet forever. There's a beautiful window over there that also depicts that as proof. Peter tells his story, and in that, we find our own key to transformation. Peter goes on to be one of the most influential leaders of the early church. The way in which Peter tells his story, the good, the bad, the grace-filled, brings people into a better relationship with our good and loving God. And since Peter's story is our story, I think we can say without any doubt that Peter's path of discipleship applies to us too. If you have experienced God's love, God's grace, God's encouragement, God's guidance, God's presence, I beg you, don't keep it locked away. People need to hear what it means for you to be loved by God. People need to know the contextual nature, the individual ways in which God's love has impacted you. People need to know that God's love is not a one-size-fits-all model. Perhaps in your telling of your story, someone sees a new way of experiencing the divine. If we know anything, It's that God's love is constant. God's love is persistent. God's love is waiting gently for us, always. And if you're still waiting to experience some of those things, that's a story unto itself that needs to be shared. In sharing our own doubts, our own questions, we'll find that we're probably in better company than we might have thought. Just as Mother Katie Beth reminded us the other week, your story matters. Telling your story matters. Your experience of God is one of the things that makes you human. Your telling of that experience is the thing that makes our community a place of real transformation, a place where God's love is allowed to be persistent, a place where God's grace abounds in our human nature. Those powerful words to Peter on top of the mountain gave Peter all he ever needed to know about Jesus. But it wasn't until he experienced true grace in the resurrection that Peter was able to be who God needed him to be. It wasn't until Peter told his story that his transformation became complete. May you be emboldened like Peter to let your experience be known. May you experience a grace like Peter's to not let your faults define you. And may your witness in the world let someone else know how deeply they are truly loved. Amen.